0: man good morning everybody uh, my name is Misael Gonzalez and I'm one of the pastors here and if you can't say Misael Gonzalez that's fine I won't force an accent on you you can say L. it's fine so if you're new now you know how to say my name uh, and let me tell you it's it's absolutely incredible to think that four years ago today Paul Purefoy our senior adult pastor was standing here In preaching the very first time as First Baptist Church of Wasso in Tulsa. And that's like wow, like Lord, that is so crazy to think about. And I'm so grateful we got to honor Bruce Kobler. Uh, He's been a man who's been so faithful for 23 years. That's longer than I've been alive. (laughs) Thank you, Bruce. You're the man. And it's just incredible to think of everything that we've seen and what I what I think honestly as I think about all this I'm grateful uh Bruce Finsler for your post on Facebook I don't know if you follow Bruce on Facebook but we actually got to change all the carpet in our kids ministry area and it was just like a blessing from God because we were able to do it all for just the cost of labor and I was like that is pretty cool yeah that is awesome but I loved what he said because he said you know One of the pastors before here laid this carpet and now it's his legacy. But the cool thing about it is that he left a legacy that was greater than that carpet. He left a legacy that was beyond that. He left an eternal legacy as he was faithful to preach the word of God. And so as we look at the past and as we look at now and as we look at to the future, that's what I want us to recognize. Is that as people we, we have a legacy that is beyond just this physical realm but We have an eternal legacy, an opportunity to change the entire trajectory of people's lives. And so I'm excited for this morning because truly, you know, we've had a lot of growing pains together in the past four years. And one thing I hope that we get to do together this moment is to really solidify this Sunday as like a marker or a milestone that we as First Baptist Church, Owasso and in Tulsa, are going to move together with direction, with direction, with absolute direction together, hand in hand. And so we're going to look at the Word of God, but then also we're going to look at how do we apply this missionary mindset that we should have. Because a couple Sundays ago, we were able to look at a missionary mindset, and that was really our entire sermon of just looking at that. But really, how do we apply that in our lives? And so that's what we're going to do this morning. So if you're turned with me, we'll be in Colossians chapter 1. And we're going to start reading in verse 18. Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 18. It says this, And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. He is that in everything he might have the the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven. By making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior Have become a servant. This is the word of the Lord, and praise be to God. Quickly, we're going to look at these first couple of verses, 18 to 20. And the thing I want us to recognize in, in these verses is that the Son has reconciled all things. The Son has reconciled all things. So if we look at verse 18, we're going to see that we are told that we are the body. We are the body. When we think of a body, it's a living organism, right? A body that's a living organism actually grows, and it matures. It gets taller. Well, if we think of the church, we mature and we grow. Because we had old carpet, now we have new carpet. We had a, a, a projector, now we have TVs. We were baby Christians, and now we are mature Christians who can articulate the gospel and articulate the vision of the church. We move and, and And when we look at this word body, we understand that it's okay if we change. It's okay if we change under the lordship and kingship of Jesus Christ. And so as we continue to look, in verse 18 it says that Jesus is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead. Like the entire last sermon that we preached has everything to do with that Jesus was the author. He's the creator. He's the sustainer. And here we see that he's the redeemer of all things. You see, this word firstborn can kind of trip us up. It's like, what does it mean that Jesus was like the firstborn among the dead? In Jewish culture, firstborn really means first rank or first in importance. And so that's really important for us to understand because that means that Jesus is above all things, and he's the first rank even among the dead because he defeated it himself. So if you look at verse 19 with me, it says that God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus. That doesn't, mean that, that doesn't just mean that God was in Jesus. It means that Jesus was God. His fullness was in him. And then in verse 20, this is, this is just incredible. It says that through Jesus, we are reconciled. This word reconciled, when you look at it, it has a lot to do with moving from an enemy to a friend. You see, in that verse, in verse 20, it says peace with God. Really, reconciliation means peace with God. That when Jesus came, and he came to us, and he came to our filth, he really made a way. That's what he might reconcile, that he made a way where it's like, you and I were enemies of God. You and I hated God, and God still came to us. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to make peace. I'm going to make a peaceful relationship between us so we can have that way to where I can transform you. To where I can save you. And it's like, Lord, thank you that you've reconciled all things because that is what he did. And so as we think about that, especially in light of our missionary mindset, it's like, Lord, we want to move in direction understanding that your job is that you have reconciled all things. Like, Lord, your job is to save. Like, Lord, your job is to transform. So, Lord, what is my job? And so as we look at our job, man, we can totally turn to Matthew 28. When it says that we are to make disciples of all nations, and you keep reading, and teaching them all in which I have commanded. That is so, so vital for us because we are to be disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And so we're going to live with a missionary mindset as disciples because that is our job. And so as we move with direction, as we move with direction, we have to understand a couple of important things. Because God's mission is greater than our mission. You see, in, the, in those first verses of Colossians, it says that we were made for the glory and the purpose of Jesus Christ. So we owe all of it to him. And so I want to I live and I want to move in such a way in which I'm owing it all to him. So here's some important questions as we understand God's mission is greater than our mission. As we understand that we are to move with direction as one church, as one body with this missionary mindset. So some of these questions are this, and they might be kind of small on the screen. But it's, why are we? Who are we? Where are we? And how are we? These are some really important questions that we're going to answer. And so the first one that I want to answer is, why are we? I've already articulated that a little bit, but it's this missionary mindset that we have. We have to have this missionary mindset where it's like, Lord, I am meant to make disciples and teaching them all the things that you've commanded. And so if we think of these missionaries, imagine yourself going somewhere else as a missionary or imagine yourself right now as a missionary. What do missionaries do? They infiltrate. That means they enter. They communicate, which means they speak the language in the people they're trying to share the gospel with. They replicate. Meaning they make disciples, they cultivate, they make relationships with people, they generate, they raise up leaders, and then the last one is that they anticipate, meaning they live with an urgency knowing that the day of the Lord is coming. That is what a missionary does. And so I want to give you guys some things I have found about this community and about the community in Owasso. So I'm going to give you some fun facts And they're really small on the screen, I noticed, and so I'm just going to list some out for you. Fun fact about the people in Owasso is they have these blue bubbles on their phone. You know what I'm talking about, like the iPhone blue bubbles? People in Tulsa have green bubbles, and that's just really interesting to me. People in Owasso use GroupMe. People in Tulsa use WhatsApp. People in Owasso, majority of them, uh, their youth and the kids uh, go with the family to church and... In Tulsa, we see that there are some youth and some kids that come to church without family. And so there's all these fun facts. And and there's just one really big fun fact that unifies actually both of our campuses. But 96th Street on our Owasso campus is kind of like this modern-day Romans Road where all of these marketplaces are at, where all these people go to buy and to sell things. Did you know that Admiral Street is a modern-day Roman Road, too, where people from all over come to buy and to sell and to trade stuff? It's super crazy. Like, if you've never been, there's this thing called La Pulga, which is just like this marketplace. Like, I think it's over there. I'm pointing to the right direction. This way. Thank you, everybody. This way. And it's crazy because on the weekends, tons of people go to this market to buy and to sell. And it's like, man, we need to be in that space. That is crazy. And the reason that's so important is because if you look at Scripture, it was through the Roman roads in which the gospel was spread. That's pretty cool. That we are standing in a modern-day Roman road in which the gospel can be spread. So let me share with you some findings uh, that I did. I did a lot of research, and and I got some help uh, from some people, and I'm so grateful for them. But let me show you this first first graph. This first pie graph that you're going to see is the community uh, around Owasso. So this is the community, and the way we did this is we looked at all these different schools in Owasso, and we asked them, hey, what's the dig- demographic of your schools? So if you see, we have 56% Caucasian, we have 10% Hispanic, we have 5% African-American, we have 11% Native American, and then we have 18% that say, hey, we're like two or more. It's like, okay, that's awesome. So I want you to take a good look at that. That's the community of Owasso. That's, that's kind, of, kind of who who it is outside of the walls of the building. Let's look inside the walls of our Owasso campus. 99% Caucasian, 0.2% Hispanic, 1% African American, and 0.3% Native American. And if we look at this next graph, which is a great comparison, we kind of get a great visual of on campus and in the community. I just want to take a look at it. I'm not telling you this is evil. I'm not saying that. But I'm telling you is that local churches were established in a community. And we can, we have a responsibility to our community. And the reason we have to understand who is in our community as missionaries is because we have to understand how to communicate to them. Because how many of these people need to be communicated in this way or in this way? Because truly our whole vision is to do ministry in the context of language. Because, man, that's the only thing that truly separates us. So that's wasso. How about we bring it to home, right, to Tulsa? So the first pie graph we're going to see is actually inside the walls. So inside the walls, as of 2020, we are 94% Caucasian, 5% Hispanic, and 1% African American. At one point, that was 100% Caucasian. So the next thing is outside of our walls. 73% Hispanic, 10% African American, 17% Caucasian. That's our community. And again, we use the school system. We called a ton of schools and said, hey, what's your demographic? So I want to show you this graph where it compares both of them. I want you to take a good look at that. Again, I'm not telling you that's evil, but what I'm telling you is that a local church is responsible for the community. And we have to understand who our community is so we can communicate to them in a way that they can understand. And so how does, how does this community communicate? That percentage of Hispanics, I can tell you they're all bilingual. If not, some just speak Spanish. This is really important for us as we move with direction. So the next thing I want to show you is just the age demographic that we have in the building most of the time. And I'll go through this pretty quickly just because this is really important for us to see because all of us have really good ideas. But it's like, man, do we have enough people to (laughs) implement the ideas? And so we have about, you see there, 35% uh, of our congregation is 50+. plus. Uh, 13% is 30s and 40s, 17% is 20s, 29% is teenagers that come without their family, and then 6% are kids that come without their family. So I think that's just really important for us to look at. So as we continue, that's who we see that who we are, who we are inside, who we are outside, and that's really important for us to see as missionaries. So the next thing that we see is just like, where are we? So where are people coming from? Are people coming from like in a 10-minute radius or outside of that? And so I want to show you. We did some mapping of our members. And so the first little graph you're going to see is kind of this 10-minute-ish radius of our campus. So you see our campus right there is the red dot. So if we look at this next thing, you're going to see the blue dots inside. So there's this little diamond, I like to call it. And we have about 21 families within that diamond. And about five of them are under the age of 50. And really what that means is that there's people that have been here for a long time. They just never moved away. And if you look at the next couple of slides especially the one with the little red diamond on it the blue dots that you just saw are within that so let's go look okay who are the people outside that diamond so we have about 37 families that live outside of that diamond so again i just want you to to take a good look at it because i want to make sure that we understand that man we can have great influence in the tulsa area but, man, we are established in a particular community that we are responsible for. So in light of all of this, you might be asking, okay, Misad, I hear you, but what's that last question? Like, how are we going to reach people? How are we going to communicate with them? How are we really going to move with direction? Well, man, I want to I really just present to you this idea of Circles. This idea of circles, or in Spanish you would call them círculos. And I'm going to explain what circles are to you, but one thing I want to make sure we keep in mind is that the church has not lasted this long because of all the local church events. The church has lasted this long because of the intentional relational relationships that were centered on God's word, that were centered on God, community around him. And so really what circles is doing is it's pushing us towards that. Pushing us to be intentional and relational and connecting with people in a personal way. And so you might be asking, Misael, okay, what's a circle? Well, a circle, I want you to think of it as a trampoline. Okay, this trampoline that really propels people into small groups, propels people into service. This circle, what it does is it really pushes us to truly disciple. It pushes us to truly understand What's the gospel, and what's the vision of our church? You see, a circle, You some of you might already be doing it. Because what a circle is, it's truly, because all of you have an inner circle, right? You have people that you kind of know. You have people that maybe you hang out with. What a circle does, it's a way to encourage us and to push us of saying, you know what? I need to have people in my home. I need to go meet with people in a restaurant. I need. I need to go just have, like, uh, a picnic uh, with this family and with that family with an objective. And that objective is, yes, to get to know them, but it's also to share the gospel and share the vision of our church. You see, we are more and more looking like this postmodern world where the gospel advances at the speed of relationships. And so really, that's, that's really what this whole idea of circles is. This whole idea of just encouraging our entire church body of saying, man, let's go together and really fulfill what Matthew 28 says of making disciples who make disciples and sharing the gospel. And so I'm going to give you some info of what it would look like if our church embraced this and if we had people embrace this. So we have little graphics. I don't know if you can see that. But let's just imagine. Right? And this will actually also help me explain to you this idea of circles. Imagine if we had 10 families, like right here, 10 families right here that said, you know what me said? I want to host a circle. And, the, and how, a, how a person can host a circle is this. Hey, you should come to dinner. Hey, we should go eat at McAllister's. Your family and your family, come with my family. We'll go do this. So if we had 10 families host two families, that means that we are reaching and sharing the gospel and sharing the vision of our church with 20 families. And let's just say out of those 20 families, we, we keep 25. And what I mean by keep is that those, those families say, you know what? I need Jesus or oh, I really love what God is doing in your church. So I want to be a part of that. So they either accept it or ignore it. And let's just say after that one year, we have five families. that are, You know what? I want to be a part of that. I want to be, I want to be a follower of Jesus. So that means let's just say the next year. Let's say the next year those five families join the ten families that have already hosted a circle. And now we have 15 families that are saying, you know what? I want to host people in my home. I want to, I want to go eat somewhere. I want to just go whatever. And intentionally and relationally, relationally engage two families. If we have 15 people do that with two families each, that means that in that year we would have engaged 30 families Here's the thing, I have no idea how many of you are actually sharing the gospel or actually sharing the vision of our church. But if together we said, you know what, I want to be a part of this, my goodness, we would be able to say, Lord, like, as people, we can actually say that these are the people that we're actually engaging with the gospel and the vision. So say after that second year, eight families are like, yeah, I need Jesus, and I want to be a part of your church. And then year three, same thing. We have 23 families engaging, two families each. That means 46 families are reached. You keep the 25%, and that's 12 families. And I want to skip all the way to year six. So imagine after five or six years of doing this, of intentionally and relationally sharing the gospel with people, walking with people. After year five, we could have 78 families Who we know with confidence that have shared the gospel and have shared the vision of our church in a way that others can understand and communicate it in a way that they know. That is just incredible to me. Of saying, like, Lord, like, we can actually be held accountable. That is awesome. Because how cool would it be if I'm like walking and I'm like, hey, Jonathan, have you hosted a circle yet? He's like, no, nah, man, I really haven't yet. And it's like, ah, oh, dude, you should totally host a circle, man. Let me tell you what happened in my circle. And let me tell you, these people actually came to my small group or came to service because I hosted a circle. It's just like, whoa, that's crazy. And the reason why this is so important for us is because I honestly think that because of COVID and because of our day and age, Inviting someone to church or inviting someone to small group is kind of like, eh, nah. yeah. But imagine those same people inviting them to their home. And really, you might be saying, "Messiah, I don't know how to share the gospel, or I don't know how to share the vision of the church. Hey, that's okay. How about I walk with you? How about Jonathan walks with you? How about Chad? How about Brad? How about Keith walks with you for two, three, four weeks and says, hey, this is how you share the gospel? And here's how you share the vision of our church. This idea will push us to discipleship. And this idea will push us to say, man, I've grown in my faith because now I know how to articulate my faith. And it's this whole cycle of, let's just say we host a circle. And, and from there, they're like, you know what? I know Messiah, and, and I know Jonathan. And you know what? I'm going to go to service. And from service, it's like, man, that service is really cool. And you're like, yeah, you should come to small group. Man, you're in a small group, but you should really serve. Man, you're serving, but you should host a circle. Well, how do I host a circle? Well, let me show you. Okay, now host a circle. And the thing is, is I've taught someone to share the gospel, share the vision of our church, and now they know how to teach someone else to where if someone else comes to me and says, man, I really, I really want to host a circle. Hey, this person can show you. Discipleship is happening right there. And I don't, I don't want you to overcomplicate this whole idea of circles. Really, we're just labeling something that some of you are already doing or labeling something in order to push us in the same direction. Because you're not going to go to someone and say, hey, you should come to my circle. No, 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 no. You're going to say, hey, come eat some barbecue. Hey, let's, let's have some tacos, chicken fried steak. That's what I mean. And the reason we have to walk this way is because no matter what happens, whether another pandemic or another crazy thing, this continues. It continues. And so as we walk with direction, we have to understand that we are doing ministry in the context of language. So I want to show you two videos. I want to show you two videos because this is really important for us as we look at how do we do ministry in the context of language. So I want to show you this first video. And they're only like 10 seconds long, so don't feel awkward like you're going to stand here forever. But... So you watch that, and you're like, okay, that was cute. That was cool. That was the first video I'm going to show you of a church that says they are one church in two languages. Okay, so that was the one church in two languages in Spanish, and so I want to show you the one church in two languages in English. Uh, Same church, just different language. Same thing, right? Check this out. too high And I am not a captain to the lie And I'm not
1: afraid
0: to leave my past behind Interesting You see, when I look at that, it breaks my heart because I'm like, man, if they're your the same church just in two languages, why are we not putting out the same effort for the glory of God? And so what I want to tell you is that as we continue in this road with direction, as we are hosting circles, engaging people with the gospel and our vision, man, we are not going to do that. What we're going to do is we're going to give the same love and excellence to all people for the glory of God and so because of that man i want to show you a little video of our pastor chris i am so thankful that god has called us to build a missionary
2: mindset right here and right now you know today we are launching circles and i i i am anticipating the lord to open up the door for our message to people around us you know Let's pray together that divine appointments are our experience. You know, we're called to see what Jesus sees and to see the people around us. And I am excited to watch how the Lord is going to use this starting in Tulsa and rippling to Owasso and to the suburbs all around us. Would you join me in praying? that God opens a door through this pursuit. Thank you for jumping in with us. And let's continue to build this missionary mindset right here and right now.
1: A missionary mindset. And one of the things that Chris said in his, in his video there was uh, seeing people as Jesus see people. Um, I'm Jonathan and I'm the groups minister here on this campus, sorry. Realize there's, a, there's some other people in the room that may not know me today. Um, and so what I as we look at Colossians chapter one, and we look and see what Jesus, what what Paul says about Jesus in verse 21, he says, and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. Mesile read the NIV and it says that uh, you are alienated, your enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior. And hopefully, you're taking notes on your app. One of the points in there is that the Son has cleansed everything, has cleansed all things, because He says next, and that He has reconciled you through His body of flesh by His death. And then He says, in order to present you holy and blameless above reproach before him can you think with me for a moment what it was before you were born again before you knew Jesus what it was for you the hopelessness maybe you didn't have direction in your life you didn't have love in your life you're always looking for something to give you joy And so you're always looking for that next thing that's going to provide that joy for you. Maybe it's the next time you go fishing. Uh, Maybe it's the next ball game you get to go attend to, the next race you get to go watch. Maybe it's the next deer season. You're always looking for that next thing. But when that thing was over, then you're not joyful anymore, right? You're kind of like, what do I do now? And so Jesus has reconciled you. He's not just giving you peace. He's making you holy and blameless. He's given you, when you're born again, you've become a child of God. Once you were an enemy of God, now you're a child of God. He gave you a new dad. Maybe your dad in this world wasn't the greatest example of who God is. But when you're born again, God becomes your father. Isn't that amazing? He becomes your father. He gives you an ability to see things that you haven't seen before. And that's what we want to talk to. You remember the gospel challenge last year? That he looks out with eyes of compassion. He sees the multitude. That was the the challenge last year. And I had a really cool seat for that last year. Because as we did the food ministry, my job, because I'm kind of big, I stood up in the trailer. And I threw boxes the whole time. But one of the coolest things that I loved to do when we got caught up for a second was to look out from that trailer and see all the cars lined up. Realizing they were finding hope in these boxes of food. Realizing they were finding hope in our parking lot because we were giving something that they had a need for. Well, you know what? We still get to do that But it's through our relationships. If Jesus was willing to die on the cross for you as an enemy of God, would you not be willing to invite your friend into your home to give them the gospel? A friend. We're not talking about an enemy. We're talking about a friend. And that's what we're asking you to do in 2021 is to invite your friend to a dinner invite your friend to coffee maybe if we're going to get really extreme maybe invite your friend to like a zoom time because it's COVID, right something think outside the box with me how can you share the gospel the hope of the gospel of jesus with your friend and we can do this because we have a foundation That does not change. That does not shift. We find that here. It says, indeed, you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. Is that what you're building your life upon? Is the rock. Think back to the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 7. And Jesus is telling, is talking, and he's basically, he's preaching. He's like, listen, the wise man, he builds his house upon the rock. Because when the waves come, the house stands firm. But the foolish man, he builds his house on the sand. And when the waves come, it goes splat. All the old kids workers know all the song motions of this one, right? right. I think Patty has it right because she has a house in the mountains. She doesn't have it on the beach. And that's what we want to do. We want to build our foundation on this foundation that does not move. Because God's foundation is greater than our foundation. Now, this is how, this may sound really, I don't know. Maybe it's tough for you to think this through. Of inviting people into your home. Maybe you haven't done a lot. I don't know. But can I give you an example of how it just happened to me a couple of weeks ago? And it wasn't intended. It just kind of happened. So I invited a friend over. Um, my friend has a couple of kids, and they they showed up, and we were going to feed them. And so we just went and bought some Little Caesars pizza, really cheap. They came over. Uh, our kids went, Our the kids went back to the room to go play, and they're playing, and we're sitting in the living room, and I'm talking with... My friend, and I haven't seen my friend, I haven't had a conversation like this with my friend in quite some time, probably over a year. And so we're catching up, and my, what, what is going on is my friend is, is kind of, they're born again, but they're discouraged. And so the opportunity to give the hope of Jesus, right? And so I listened to my friend, I a couple of things that they said, so then I interjected, like, you know, you're right, it is tough. But here's who Jesus is, and here's what Jesus has done for my family during this last summer, and this summer of unemployment, and and summer of uncertainties, and I know that he can do the same for you too. And that conversation kept kind of going, and I kept encouraging, and they kept talking about other things that were discouraging, and, and back and forth, and the next thing I know they said something interesting because here's what you have to do when you're having these conversations you have to be intentional you have to be listening you have to ask the right not the right questions you just have to ask a question and next thing I know is this person said you know I bought my sister-in-law a Bible Hmm. the sister-in-law doesn't speak English she only speaks Spanish and she goes I wish that my friend I wish my sister-in-law knew English. (laughs) February the 3rd, we're teaching English classes here at our campus. And I told my friend about this. I'm like, are you serious? I said, yeah. So I can bring my sister-in-law. I said, "Uh uh-huh. And I said, and we're teaching Spanish too. And they said, you mean I can learn Spanish so I can talk to my sister-in-law? I said, "Uh uh-huh. Whoa. And I said, and just to make sure we don't have any, like, excuses or problems, I said, we have everything covered for kids. We have pre-K, we have K, and we have students. And I said, because your sister-in-law has these ages of kids, right? And they go, uh-huh. I said, come. Well, just a, this was probably actually about a month ago. And then, like, a week and a half ago, I get a text from my friend hey, is that still happening on February the 3rd? Uh Uh-huh, it is. I think they're going to come. And isn't that cool? And so it's not about, you don't have to fix the barbecue. We know that that takes a lot of time. Actually, I know that takes a lot of time. You don't have to fix chicken fried steak. That takes a lot of time, too. At least my grandma told me it did. You don't have to have a four-course meal. There's a family in here that I had over to our house one time for lunch, and you know what I fed them? Hot dogs. (laughs) And I don't think they cared. You know why? Because they wanted relationship. They wanted fellowship. And in today's season of life, with all the COVID and all the things that are going on, what people want is someone to talk to. They want someone to know that they care. And as we look upon the crowds with compassion, will you be a people that care? Will you have a love for your friend? If they're lost, don't you wanna spend eternity with them? Don't you want them to have hope right now? Don't you want them to be able to have someone like Jesus that they can turn to? To have a heavenly father that has promised to take care of them, to meet their every need. Isn't that what you want for your friends? Maybe your friend is born again, and man, everything that's been taking place in our country has just hit them hard. They're kind of got one foot, you know. They're just trying to catch their balance. Reach out and grab them. Why don't you come to my house and let's have a meal. Let's go and have coffee and let's sit outside and talk. I just want to share with you who Jesus is to me. I just want to share with you the story of what he's done in my life. I want to share with you that on April 16th, I was called into my boss's office and told that I was no longer needed. I wanna tell you about how my wife had some bites on her body and we were trying to figure out what it was and it was bed bugs in the midst of being laid off. I wanna tell you that was $1,200 expense to have them removed from my house. I wanna tell you that someone paid for that for me. I want to tell you that one of my friends that I used to call on as in my old job said, I want to hire you part time. I want to tell you that my church came to me and said, I want you on staff. I want to tell you what God has done for me. And what we'll see is that we'll see strength rise up we'll see that the Christians will become sure in their foundation because what happens is I share my story that strengthens you and then something happens to you and then you have a story to tell. I have friends right now that are walking through stories that they're gonna get to tell how God came through for them. And that's what we're talking about this morning. It's that easy. And you have no idea what asking a question and listening to what they have to say next and then responding in Jesus will do. So will you host a circle? Because the thing that I don't want is, it says that our proclamation, it says that the gospel has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. And in Luke it says that Jesus said that if my disciples don't praise me, then the rocks will. And the last thing I want to have happen is rocks to praise. Because we have the souls. We are the child of God. Let us proclaim who Jesus is. Let us proclaim to all creation that he is the one that saved me, that has redeemed me, that has reconciled me, and I have hope because of him may we proclaim that, so no rock ever has to come and proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's what we're gonna do. For response this morning, we have printed out QR codes. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna lay these out here on the table and I want you to pray about what God would have you do this morning. And if the Lord is laying a upon your heart that you need to host a circle, will you come up with your phone and scan this QR code? It's going to ask a couple of questions, your name, your email, your phone number, and you're going to submit that. And that's going to come to Misael and I. And then what we're going to do is we're going to walk with you. We're going to contact you, and we're going to meet together, and we're going to answer any questions you have. But here's the deal, don't do this lightly. If you think that the calls you get for your car's warranty is bad, wait till you submitted that and aren't serious about it and Misael and I start calling you. Because we're going to hound you. Because we believe so much in relationship. We believe so much that this is how disciples are made. And if you're here with your wife this morning, if you're here with your husband this morning, will you talk about it first? Because the scripture says that you guys are one. And so you need to make a decision as one. And if you're not here with your spouse they can't be here today, then go home and have a conversation and get with me, Saul and I. Because we believe that this is going to change our campus. We believe that this is going to change our church we believe that this changes Tulsa and Owasso and Broken Arrow and Skytook and downtown and Collinsville and Ulaga, it's going to change things because we're going to show the world that we truly care. Father, this morning we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he has reconciled through his body. He has taken us who are enemies and Father has made us anew. Where he is now, where we were alienated, Father, we are now in the family of God. We're holy, we're blameless, Father, because of Jesus. And may we just take that hope to our friends, starting there and Father, branching out. Just like with my friend, as we shared the vision of what we're doing in the ministry, in the context of language, That brought up a whole nother situation, Father, of a whole nother conversation. And Father, we pray for our campus here, we pray for our campus in Owasso, that Father, you'll do mighty things. Father, may we proclaim who you are to the world so the rocks don't have to. Please, Father, May the love of Christ so constrain us, so envelop us that all we can talk about and sing about and tell people about is the hope that we have in Jesus.